Uh, these songs this morning, uh, Kip, they really uh, struck a chord with me. They blessed me. They ushered me into the presence of God. Yet some of the songs we sang this morning really challenged me. There are times I've even told you, I think a lot of times in churches we sing more lies than we speak. And I think about a couple of the songs we sang today that I'm going to carry God's love into a world that's hurting. I thought about a song a few minutes ago that we sung about that I will give you my heart like everything I am coming before you, God, have your way with me. Is there anything more dangerous we could pray or sing than that right there? And a lot of times I think what we sing and even what we confess may not be where we are, it's where we wanna be. So we sing this and we make these confessions of God. These, these are the places we want you to carry us towards. I think back when I was growing up in a church, I grew up in a church about this size, uh, just east of Dallas. And uh, it was, our youth group was empowered, especially the, the boys, the men in our youth group were empowered to, to be leaders in the church. And uh, today, 12 to 15 of us are in ministry of some kind, preaching, youth ministry, worship ministry. Uh, the person who ran um, Harding Uplift, the camps at Harding for a long time, and now has transitioned into a dean role, was in our youth group. And uh, a lot of the men were raised to be leaders. And I remember my senior year, there was just this fire of God, this passion for evangelism that took over a group of us in the church. And I've told you before, for me, uh, this fire for God and for evangelism, what taught me and empowered and equipped me to be an ambassador for God wasn't so much what was happening in the church, but it was a restaurant where I worked, CC's Pizza, where this owner had this love for God. And in that CC's in Mesquite, Texas, hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of people have come to know the Lord through that place. So I worked there nine months and I learned how to cut pizzas, but more importantly, I learned how to engage people where they are to teach them the things of God. After work, we would be cleaning up the restaurant while we were having Bible studies. And it was that this movement of God that was just sweeping our church. And we made a commitment in January of 1999, uh, my second semester of my senior year of high school, there was a group of us made a commitment. And I, and I don't know why we settled on 100. We just laid before God to help us be courageous, ambitious, uh, brave to share the message of Jesus with people. And we made a commitment. We wanted to see 100 people come to know the Lord through that church that year. And God began sweeping in and through that church, this passion for evangelism. And this wasn't the kind of evangelism that like proselytizing. It wasn't, hey, let's go convince the Baptists and Methodists to quit going to their church and to come to our church. This was, hey, we want God to lead us to people who do not know Jesus, who have never heard Jesus, who are not walking with Jesus so that we can share Jesus with them. By August, we hit 100 people. There was so much celebrating going on in that church. But there was obstacles too. And there were some big challenges I was 18 years old. I'd already felt a call of God into the ministry. And I knew that the enemy, Satan, was on the prowl, putting obstacles and challenges in the way of God's people. But I did not expect the obstacles and challenges to come from where they came. It came from within the church. Where there were people who would come up to us some days and say, what is your hurry? Do you know that when there are multiple baptisms on a Sunday, it makes worship service run long? And we would hear all these complaints and challenges and people weren't happy with some of the people God was bringing to Jesus because they were coming in the church and they didn't dress like they were supposed to be in church. So it began challenging and, and I'm glad God had me in a place that was mature enough that I didn't run from the church and maybe reflect on who is the church and who are we supposed to be and who are we called to be? Because if we work so hard on getting this worship service right, but we aren't getting the mission of Jesus right, we are not calling people into the deep things of the kingdom. 
However, it's also possible to go the other way where we can work on getting life outside the doors, right? But not take seriously what happens in the doors. And that's not the ways of the kingdom either. And God began teaching me at a young age that there is this call of God to gather the people of God for the sake of encouragement and sharing in the things we share in this room, but also knowing that we are called out of this place to be, this certain kind, to be a certain kind of people who are living with purpose as we leave this place. There's gathering, there's scattering. It's understanding of who we are as a church and what the mission of Jesus has called us to be a part of. So this morning, I am so excited just for a few minutes to open up 2 Corinthians 5 to you. So I invite you to open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I also want to just acknowledge and thank those who have joined us online this morning. We have people joining us. Maybe they chose not to get out in the rain. We have people in beach houses, lake houses, on the road. We have people in hospitals who tune in to these services every Sunday. So I want to welcome those who are with us. And for those who are even if you're on your couch or in your bed, open up to 2 Corinthians 5. We'd love for you to encounter the word. And I want to uh, encourage you, take some notes and highlight some things in your Bible because I, I, there's sometimes I stand up here and I don't think my call is to show you something in the Bible you've never seen before. It's to remind you of the truth of God and what you need to stand on as you encounter God and go with him throughout this week. 2 Corinthians 5, let's begin in verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view, even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. And some of you have this verse, verse 17. Some of you have this on your refrigerator. It's a verse you were called to memorize at an early age. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. Somebody say amen. I want you to understand that conversion and transformation is more than status change. This is more than cosmetics when people are called into relationships with Jesus. This is more than just status change. It's more than you just going from lost to found or unsaved to saved. We are called into a life with God. I want you to think about it like this. Jesus does not look at people and think, hey, this person is worthy of salvation, but they're not worthy of being used in the kingdom. Jesus never looks at people and says, hey, let's save them, but that person, there's no way we could ever use them. Jesus wants to use whatever it is Jesus saves. New creation are now prime candidates to be filled with passion for God, no matter where they go throughout life. Now, here's what happens sometimes. This is read 2 Corinthians 5, 17, but we don't read it with verse 16. The verse 16 is that we don't regard other people from a human point of view. That when God comes and transforms our hearts, now we are seeing people the way God sees people. I don't remember who it is who said it, but it's a statement that messes with me all the time, is that we know we have created God in our own image when God hates all of the same people we hate. And he loves all the same people we love. We are new creation, have been given new vision to see everyone bears the image of God and they are worthy of salvation, transformation, and engagement. Keep reading verse 18. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. I could preach a 10 week series on those two verses right there. Do you think after reading those two verses that God is passionate about reconciliation? Now, there were times in my life where I thought, well, God is passionate about people being reconciled to God, but reconciliation between races and ethnic groups and economic status groups, that can just happen when Jesus comes back and makes all things right. Heaven will sort that out. I no longer can read the Bible in that way. Reconciliation is about people being reconciled to God, and it is about people being reconciled to each other through God. 
And all this is, it's the mission of God. It's what God has done. Four different times here Paul is challenging us, teaching us that God is, he's very passionate about, about reconciliation. And what gets me about these two verses too is that it says God has entrusted this mission to the church. Like God has trusted you with things. Does that blow your mind just a little bit? Uh, because there are some things I would trust my children with and there are some things I would not trust them with. And why would God, who could do an A-plus job at anything God wants to do in this world and trust a mission to people who may be a D-minus job, and that's being gracious, right? Why would he entrust this message to us? But that this is how God, from the very beginning in Genesis 1, this is how God chose to work. Calling people into partnership, calling people into relationship. Let me give you three things to think on. It is almost, it's nearly impossible for us to be passionate or to engage in reconciliation if these three things don't happen. If we're not willing to love the world the way God loves the world. How are we going to reconcile a world if we are not willing to love what God loves? How are we going to reconcile a world? Here's number two. How are we going to reconcile the world if we are not willing to step into the world? Because there was a long time where evangelistic strategies in churches was, let's have events, let's do gospel meetings or revivals, let's invite people to come into the church, and once we get them in the church, it's the preacher's job to try to win them to Jesus. Instead of seeing that the mission of God is to empower all the people of God with his spirit to go into the world and to speak Jesus in their lives, how could we ever be a part of God's reconciling work in this world if we are not willing to step into the messy places God has already stepped into? Number three, how can we reconcile a world that we are not willing to speak Christ into? Uh, because service that we even engage in today God has not called us to service to be nice people. He has called us to service to speak the name of Jesus wherever we go. In fact, if you look at that verse right there, it ends with, and God has entrusted the message. That message, that's the that's a Greek word, logos. That's the word. He has entrusted the word, a message. So uh, I know that a lot of us, we, we cling to, and I love this statement that's attributed to St. Saint, Saint Francis of Assisi years ago that preached the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. He's calling the church to action and how you live matters, but, but the use of words when it comes to sharing Jesus has always mattered in the kingdom of God and we have to have the name of Jesus flowing from our lips to those we engage in and those we serve. Keep reading in verse 20 and just highlight a few of these. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. All right, so we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is a making, his, making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And I love chapter six, verse one. As we work together with him, we urge you also not to accept the grace of God in vain. This is, this is our mission. This is our message. But now I want you to back up and I wanna end with this this morning, just to call us, to give us something to live into this week, remind you of who your identity is in God. Go back to verse 14 and here's what Paul says. For the love of Christ urges us. For the love of Christ compels us on because we are convinced that one has died for all. And therefore all have died. And he died for all so that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for them. For the love of Christ urges. The love of Christ compels. 
And I want you to think about this way, the way this works. This isn't that you have the kind of love that urges you to love God more. What it says is Christ's love is what urges us. There have been times when I have loved poorly in my life. And I have responded to that by saying, I'm going to make it up to you. There are times where I love my parents poorly and I remember I would be convicted and I would say, I'm gonna make it up to you. I'm gonna clean my room this week without you ever at, even asking. I'm gonna do the dishes without you asking. There are times I've loved Casey poorly and I may think to myself, I'm gonna make it up to her this week by the way I love her, by the things I do throughout the house or things I do for her. Uh, but this isn't the way it works in the kingdom. That it's not that I have messed up and I have sinned and I have failed, so now I wanna make it up to God. The, Christ's love urges us is something we receive from God. It's not something we work for or work toward. It is something we receive and through his love and receiving his love and knowing who we are in his love, it begins to spread all over, all over the world. And it continues to remind us that the mission in the gospel we have been called into is not a gospel of niceness, trying to be nice, cordial people, it is people who have been called by God, filled with the Spirit, to be brave and courageous and to understand that everywhere we go, we are on a mission for God. So today, we're going to engage in some projects in the name of Jesus. And then from those projects, we're going to go home and we're going to do other things. May we do all this for the glory of God. If there's a need that you have that you want to bring before this church... We invite you to come for the uh, shepherds and for the prayer leaders, if you will, go uh, to the places where you're assigned to be in this moment to receive folks. And if there's something you want to bring in front of this church, you can come up front to come to Randy or Doyle, and then we have prayer leaders stationed throughout the room for you to go to to receive a blessing from God, a word from God, to be prayed over. Let's stand together as a church, and let's sing this song as an anthem of who we are called to be and how we're called to live.